0: victory is yours. Jesus Christ has won it. Your tears shall be no more. So run and not grow weary. Walk and never fall. Lift up your voice to heaven and crown him Lord of all.
1: wonderful. I tell you, that girl can sing. We're so glad that all of you are here. Are the Redmonds uh, here today? Where are they? Are they here today? They went back to New Jersey. Well, uh, Don Peck. Don, you stand up. These are the Redmonds and Don are our newest members. Let's give them a hand. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians twelve twenty-seven. The title of my message today is, We Are So Different. Uh, the scripture says, Now you are Christ's body, and individually members of it. A few years back, actually it was a number of years back, I went to a big Baptist convention in New Orleans. I saw a lot of old friends there. It was great to see them again. Hadn't seen some of them in 40 years. It was like an old class reunion. I saw some of my friends from my college days at Baylor, and it was great to see them. I saw some of my seminary friends from Fort Worth. It was great to see them. I had studied with a lot of those people. Uh, taken tests with them, served on committees with them, debated the great issues of our faith with them. We had sat in the same classrooms. We had heard the same lectures. We had read many of the same books. But as the years had passed, we had become very different people. One fellow who was pretty wild at uh, seminary, had become a very, very narrow person. Uh, he had also developed a holier-than-thou attitude. One fellow who was pretty close-minded in college had become quite open-minded uh, 35, 40 years later. Even though we talked a lot, we laughed a lot, It was fun seeing each other. We each knew that the others had become different people. Even though we had been best of friends, there was now a definite difference in our thinking that had developed over the years. As we visited, I had to make a decision. Was I going to focus on the differences that had grown between us through the years, Or was I going to focus on that which we had in common? Could I still love and appreciate these guys without demanding that they think, believe, and act just like me? Have you ever been in a situation like that where you were put back with some people that you knew well a long, long time ago? I'm sure you have. Even here in our church, we constantly have to ask ourselves this question. How much diversity are we willing to live with? Everyone in our church is not just alike. Uh, We have people of all kinds of backgrounds and races and uh, ideologies uh, that come every Sunday uh, to our services they're all a part of our church family. I love that. I love that. How important is it to you that fellow church members see everything just as you do? How tolerant are you of differing opinions on major ideas? How much diversity can we stand in our unity? How much space are you willing to give others to continue to live under the same roof? These are hard questions that each of us individually have to sort of work through. So many churches in America are what I call home churches or family churches. One family would dominate the church. And some member of that family would pretty much call the shots for the whole church. Those kind of churches are always small. They don't have good choirs, they don't have good programs for children or youth. That kind of church is dying out across America week by week and month by month. There is no diversity in that kind of a church. Then there is what I call the theological point church. This type of church picks some theological point, like Calvinism or some very specific millennial view, and they force everyone to believe like they do. If you don't believe like they do, then you are ostracized, And you are forced out. These churches are always small. They don't have good choirs. They don't have good programs for children or young people. And that kind of church is literally dying out week by week, month by month across America. There is no diversity in that kind of a church. Then there are churches like ours. We have a very conservative church in our theology. We actually believe the Bible. We don't just talk about it. Uh, We read it. We study it. We uh, hide it in our hearts. Uh, We do all that we can along that line. We're very aggressive in our outreach. We believe in the priesthood of the believer. If you disagree with some of what I say, that's okay. Uh, We can still be good friends. We can still worship together. You might be right, in fact, and I might be wrong. The same thing goes for your Sunday school teacher. You don't have to agree with everything that they say, but I would ask you to be nice to them. Don't compromise your beliefs, but don't make fun of, of theirs. You remember Paul and Barnabas, they had a differing opinion about personnel in the mission trips that they were taking. So Paul and Barnabas separated. They were dear, dear friends. It wasn't an angry kind of a thing. They just separated and they formed two mission teams and they really covered a lot more space and saw a lot more people for the Lord Jesus. Remember our text, you are now Christ's body, and individually members of it. The text is inclusive, yet some actions of some Christians are exclusive. Some people are always quick quick to say, if you don't agree with me, get out, just get out. This is not the Christian way. We are all different in the family of God. We each love and have different spiritual gifts. We all see things a little bit, and in some instances, a lot differently. One summer evening during a violent uh, thunderstorm, a mother was tucking her little bitty boy uh, into bed. She was about to turn the light off when the boy asked, with a tremor in his voice, this question, Mommy, would you come and sleep with me tonight? The mother smiled and gave him a reassuring hug and said, I can't, dear. Uh, I have to sleep in Daddy's room. The little boy just couldn't quite understand that. There was a bit of a silence, and it was broken by his shaky little voice that said, The big sissy. (laughs) We all see things differently. Your spiritual gift is something that the Holy Spirit brought with him when he came to indwell your life It's your conversion. Now, you might have one spiritual gift, or you might have a whole bunch of spiritual gifts. Some people, I don't think, even know how many spiritual gifts they have. There are a number of spiritual gifts, and apparently they were all very, very present at this church in Corinth. These gifts were given to the members of the church as a means to build up the individual's faith, as well as advancing... The kingdom of God. It was obvious to the Apostle Paul that the Corinthian believers did not understand how important their diversity was and how to celebrate it in the midst of unity. They argued a lot, they fought a lot. It was the most uh, dis, uh, well, unhar- unharmonious church in Paul's whole ministry. The church needed to be reminded that through the diversity of spiritual gifts, each gift had a common source and a common purpose. The source was the Holy Spirit of God that came to each individual and gave the spiritual gifts. And the purpose was for strengthening the believers in building up of the body of Christ. Being the great teacher that he was, Paul thought for an analogy that would clearly explain the diversity of spiritual gifts in the church and how they could work for unity, not disunity. He finally decided to use the illustration of the human body. Paul likens the different members of the congregation to the different members in the human body. He shows that like the church, the human body has great diversity. It also has an essential unity. Today, we might choose the analogy of a football team. There are 11 different players on the team that go out there on the field to play. You have great big guys. You have medium-sized guys and you have little bitty guys. Some of the guys out there weigh 300 or more pounds, and some of them weigh less than half that amount. You have those that go out to play that have hands like uh, anvils, and you have other players with hands like a violin player. Yet, When this variety of players commit their varying physical abilities to a particular play, they can be successful and they can score a touchdown. There is great diversity, yet there is a unity of purpose. Looking at Paul's analogy of the human body will be helpful in assisting us to understand today how our diversity can be affirmed in the midst of our unity. His analogy will help each of us to commit ourselves to be more tolerant of diversity. Three important truths are present in what Paul has written in these verses here in 1 Corinthians 12. First, While we are not the same, each of us is very important to the whole. Listen to Paul's logic. The eye cannot say to the hand, we don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, we don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. You really need your hand. You really need your feet. And the parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we need to speak to and to act to with a special honor for them. There are many spiritual gifts that make some church members look like stars, like Melody this morning. You know, she just has a wonderful uh, gift to sing. Jim has a wonderful gift to lead. Every diverse gift, every diverse gift is important in the church of our living Savior. Just as every part of the body is important. I mean, what would we do without our left side? What would we do without our knees? What would we do without our neck? I mean, we need all those things. If we don't have them, we are either greatly impaired or we're dead. We need all those things. Every part is important. So is every gifted individual in the life of the church, in the body of Christ. One of the reasons that every Sunday... I say at the end of the sermon during the invitation, we want you to come and join the church. One of the reasons, main reasons is that we need to get you to join with us so that your spiritual gift can be used, can be uh, made manifest as you help our church corporately to reach out to a world that desperately needs the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who was the most important person in South Florida after Hurricane Andrew blew through? Was it the President of the United States? He was important, but he wasn't the most important person. Was it the 20,000 plus troopers that went in to keep order? They were very, very important, but they weren't the most important. Was it the repairmen with Florida power and light? They were very, very important, but they weren't the most important. No, my friends, it was the garbage collectors that were the most important. Now, you might not want to be a garbage collector. I won't ask how many of you have been one. But in a clean and healthy environment, they are very, very important. In the church of Jesus Christ, every one of us is very important to the whole. Each individual with their unique gifts and talents and beliefs and opinions is a vital part of the whole church. You know, I try and visit everybody that visits our church. A lot of people don't turn in a card with their name and address and phone number on it. Shame on you if you're in that group. I want to come and visit with you and see what spiritual gifts you have. And then, of course, my mind begins to race. Well, gosh, these folks could really help us in doing this part of our ministry. Let me go back to Dave Watkins for a minute. You know, now we have a camera over here, and we have a camera back there. Now we have screens that are up, and these folks over here can see a lot better. Those folks over there can see a lot better. We also are on, am I saying this right, the internet? We're on the internet. You can tell how much I know about this. we're on the internet, and you can watch our services every week if you want to. This is a giant step forward for our church. You know, whatever gift it is that you have, God can really use it. If you just come in and sit and leave after an hour, then the Wonderful spiritual gifts that God has given you are not being used. They're just going to waste. A second important point here, truth here, that Paul discusses is that we desperately need each other. Being a New Testament Christian is not a long range, lone ranger experience. The church can no more be the church without unity then a symphony can be a symphony without unity. Yes, in the symphony, each person plays their individual instrument. But there is a common commitment to the score of music. There is a willingness to affirm the importance of each instrument in order to make the beautifully written music come alive by everybody that's involved. The more mature we become in Christ, the more we realize that throughout our entire lives, we will really, really need each other. We compliment each other. We challenge each other. We comfort each other. We communicate with each other. The church is the place where each of us is needed, and each of us brings our needs. A beautiful little girl wandered out one cold day on the countryside in Canada. The family, after about three hours, realized they hadn't seen her lately, and they began calling her name, and she didn't answer. And they realized that she was gone, that she was lost. And they started to search for her. They then called the people of the community together as the hours passed. And they pled with everyone to go out and and look for their daughter. Each went his own way looking for the little girl. It became dark and the cold, freezing weather settled in. She was found, but it was too late. They had said about a half an hour before she was found, you know what we might ought to do is join hands and cover a whole field as we walk together across the field. They started doing that, but when they found the body, it was too late. Then the shout went up. If we had just joined hands earlier, the church is a community of diverse individuals who join hands together to search for the lost. There is a third truth that Paul exposes here. He says that in the body, what affects one member is felt by all. Verse 26 says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, then every part rejoices with it. Paul is confronting the Corinthians in how they are going to properly handle diversity. When someone has a gift different from yours or an opinion that's different from yours, How do you react to that? Is your reaction to put them down either verbally or with nonverbal communication? Is your reaction to think, that is the stupidest thing I have ever heard? Or how could you say such a dumb, dumb thing? Can you respond to diversity in the same way as you want others to respond to you. This is important because when one person is improperly treated in the church, it affects everyone else in the church. Let's be Christian about differences of opinion, not compromising our beliefs, but not being disagreeable. I have sensed a growing and deeping, deepening unity in our church. There is a groundswell, not of human uniformity of opinion, but a groundswell of determined commitment to honor our diversity on issues. We as a church are working hard to put into practice what Paul was instructing the Corinthian Christians. To do. There is a growing determination that we will celebrate our diversity and affirm our oneness all at the same time. Like my experience in New Orleans with my friends from a long time ago, we must decide am I going to focus on the differences between myself and these others, or am I going to focus upon what we have in common. Even though we are so different, we are one in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord for that. Today we want you to come and join our family. If you're a little different from the folks that are sitting right beside you right now, that's okay. That's okay. This is a big tent church, and we want you to come and join with us and serve with us as we try as best we can to represent the Savior well in the marketplace of life. We're going to sing a hymn. I'm going to stand down here at the front. If the Lord leads you, you just slip out and slip forward. And take a stand for Jesus. Come trusting Christ as your Lord and Savior. Come joining the church. Come rededicating your life. However the Lord would lead, slip forward to take a stand for him who died for you. Let's stand together as we sing.